On this special edition episode of The Nosebleeds, I'll be talking about the NBA free agency frenzy, the major events that have taken place in the last 48 hours, and I'll be answering some of our listeners' questions during the episode. All this and more on The Nosebleeds. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What up, y'all? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds podcast. That is K-N-O-W-S Bleeds, because we know what we talked about, but we sit up in the Nosebleeds because we broke. It's your boy. Yo, what up, y'all? It's Kush, and I'm going solo dola today. I don't have my co-host Brandy with me, but that's all right. I'll, I'll see if I can hold it down for the Nosebleeds podcast. But today, we're diving straight into the NBA free agency. Honestly, this is why I love the NBA. There's no stopping to the NBA season. I mean, you have the NBA Finals a week later, you got the NBA Draft, and then a couple weeks later, you have NBA free agency. So it's it's a nonstop to the NBA, and that's what I absolutely love about it. Now, with that being said, this free agency has probably been one of the craziest NBA free agencies in NBA history. So let's start off with the Celtics, Boston Celtics. They lost Kyrie Irving. We all knew that. But they did manage to find a replacement for him, and that was Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker left Charlotte, signed a four-year, $141 million deal, and basically as Kyrie's replacement, he was eligible for the Supermax after making all, all NBA teams. So after making all NBA team, he was eligible for a five-year, $221 million deal from the Charlotte Hornets. They didn't offer him that. They didn't offer him anything close to that. They had to believe they offered him something like a five-year, $160 million deal. He said, no, I don't want that. I'm going to come to Boston where they offered him a four-year, $141 million deal. And he came to a point where he said, I've given everything to Charlotte, but we just can't seem to win. So it's time for me to move on. So joining Kemba Walker in Boston is also Ennis Cancer, signed a two-year, $10 million deal. He was previously on the Portland Trailblazers, helped the Portland Trailblazers win a lot of games in the playoffs, helped them win that series against Oklahoma City. Um, help them win that series against the Denver Nuggets. So it, that, that's a kind of little underrated signing for them. Um, but that's also because they had lost Al Horford too. I'll get a little bit into that later into the episode. And one other team in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks made some moves. The Bucks finished last season with the best record in the NBA. And they made it to the conference finals. It was up 2-0 against the Raptors ended up losing four straight. They have the MVP on their team, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and their 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 big question going into free agency was: Would they be able to retain Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, all that good stuff? They did retain Chris Middleton to a five-year, hundred seventy-eight million dollar deal. They ended up retaining Brooke Lopez, which was huge. And they actually got his brother, Robin Lopez, as well from the Chicago Bulls. And Robin Lopez and Brooke Lopez have not played with each other since their college days back in Stanford. And then they also retained George Hill, which was, I think, a big deal because 
honestly, he played better than Eric Bledsoe in the playoffs. And then they added Wesley Matthews, which is also another pretty underrated signing if he ends up panning out because he's another shooter for Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then last uh, bit I want to touch on before we get straight into the question from the listeners is Bojan Bogdanovic. He went to the Jazz, one of the craziest signings of the offseason, one of the surprisings, I should say. And he signed a four-year, $73 million deal with the Utah Jazz. And Utah's cooking something up there. Uh, traded for Mike Conley. They got Bojan Bogdanovic. Obviously, they have Donovan Mitchell. They have the two-time defense player of the year, back-to-back defense player of the year in Rudy Gobert. So Conley and Gobert is going to be nice defensively. I mean, you got the scoring from Conley and Mitchell, and then now you add Bogdanovich. It's another sharpshooter right there. So that that team could be, you know, scary. They They, they could be a contender. Don't sleep on them. That's all I'm saying. All right, so let's dive into our first question from our listener. We have Hirsch from Sugarland, Texas. What's up, Hirsch? Yo, what's up, Kush? Thanks for having me on the show, man. So my first thing is uh, how in the hell did Brooklyn manage to pull off KD, uh, Kyrie, and DeAndre all at the same time, man? That's that. That's just beast, right? Yeah, and I think um, I'm glad you brought up that topic because that was the storyline of free agency we have kevin durant kyrie irving and deandre jordan all teaming up to go to the brooklyn nets uh kevin durant signed a four-year 164 million dollar deal kyrie signed a four-year 141 million dollar deal and deandre jordan signed a four-year 40 million dollar deal so all three of those guys are stuck together for the next four years if given that no trades happen but let's talk about the brooklyn nets the brooklyn nets Remarkable job done by general manager Sean Marks and coach Kenny Atkinson. They, the Brooklyn Nets, were the laughing stock of the NBA for a longest time. They probably pulled the trigger on one of the worst trades in NBA history, getting Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett in, uh, from the Boston Celtics and all those picks that the Nets gave ended up giving them back that ended up into Jason Tatum, it ended up in Jalen Brown, you know. All that type of stuff. So a lot of people were having a hard time wrapping their their mind around how is this Nets team going to come back from this devastating trade that screwed them over so bad. And here we are talking about the Brooklyn Nets being a contending team. Being a contending team and possibly one of the favorites to win the NBA Finals given what happens with Kawhi and the Lakers or Clippers or whatever it is. So, KD and Kyrie actually took a little pay cut. They took about 4 to $5 million each per year to accommodate bringing on DeAndre Jordan. So, looking at this team right now, you have Kevin Durant, you have Kyrie Irving, you have DeAndre Jordan. And you're adding those three to a pretty good roster already. They lost D'Angelo Russell. That was kind of a given if... If Kyrie would have came to Brooklyn, but they lost D'Angelo Russell, but they still have Spencer Dinwiddie, arguably one of the best six men in the league right now. And then you have Karis LeVert, who was probably the second best player on that team behind D'Angelo Russell. And then you have Jared Allen, a young 
great defensive center, which I think will be able to learn a lot playing with DeAndre Jordan. Um, and you have one of the best sharpshooters in the league right now in Joe Harris as well. So this team is pretty damn stacked. Unfortunately, Kevin Durant is injured. He towards Achilles. I'm sure you guys all know that. He's not going to play this first season, so it's just basically going to be Kyrie, DJ, the rest of the players I told you. Kevin Durant's going to be rehabilitating his Achilles injury. And now when he comes back, that's when we're going to start talking about them being contenders. So DeAndre Jordan, let's talk about his mentoring for Jared Allen. DeAndre Jordan shooting for his career, 67% from the field. Given, yes, I know he's like, you know, alley-oop guy just dunks the ball, puts it up there. But still, that's a high percentage, like one of the highest percentages in NBA history. And he also averaged two blocks a game for four seasons. And Jared Allen is a very young big center who's very defensive-minded. And if you didn't see that last year's play, he met LeBron James at the rim and blocked him, stuffed him, I should say. So I think DeAndre Jordan will definitely help him when it comes to defensively, when it comes to, you know, offensively picking roles, even rebounding for that sake. But I definitely do think this team is going to do damage for years to come. But that is, again, all contingent on Kevin Durant's level of play when he is healthy when he comes back. They're, they're definitely a top team in the East, top team in the NBA for sure. But the NBA can change tremendously. Every year we see different teams building super teams. Like nobody had the Brooklyn Nets on the radar to build a super team with Kyrie and KD by the, by the beginning of last season. And now look at this. We're talking about them being on the same team. So any team can come up with a super team. And, you know, that could probably just put the Brooklyn Nets kind of in the passenger seat, not even in the driving seat anymore. So it, it, it changes tremendously. Like we saw in the in mid-season last year, Kyrie Irving said he wanted to stay in Boston, and we all saw how that turned out. He's on Brooklyn right now. Halfway through the season last year, the Western Conference was dominant. Everyone was like, all right, the East is whatever. Like they're not that great. You know, Giannis, they have like – but. West teams versus East teams, the West was way more dominant. And then that Tobias Harris trade happened, that Nikola Miritich trade happened. We had multiple trades that happened midseason at the trade deadline that arguably made the Eastern Conference top four teams equal to the Western Conference top four teams. So, you know, the the power swing can move any way from the East to West. But my biggest question, and I think this is a big question on everyone's mind, is KD and Kyrie going to be able to coexist. These guys are characters. They are, I don't want to say sensitive, but they don't have the thickest of skins. So given that, being in New York, Brooklyn area, we all know how the media is over there. So are they going to be able to, you know, kind of drown out all the noise coming from the media? Because we know Kevin Durant always gets into it with the media because, you know, he... What what the media say definitely definitely affects him. So that's the first thing. Second thing, these guys are two ball dominant players. We saw K we, we know that KD is willing to share the ball. We saw him share it with Steph. We saw him share it with Clay. We've seen him share it with Westbrook, uh James Harden to a certain extent. Kyrie, we've seen him do it with LeBron James. How did that end up? They won a championship, yes, but Kyrie ended up saying, Yo, I want my own team. I, I can't do this with LeBron. Like, LeBron, you're a great player. Don't get me wrong, but I got to move on. I want my own team. And Boston didn't do anything 
in the two years that he was there. Well, the first year he was injured throughout the playoffs, um, and then this year came back, didn't pan out. He wasn't able to carry that team on his back. So I think Kyrie has definitely matured from his Cleveland days of wanting to be a leader of a team is what I'm trying to say. But with Kevin Durant for a whole season, that could change. His mentality can go back to being, it's my team. I want my team kind of a thing because he's going to play with the Brooklyn Nets. He may be successful. He may not be successful. But, you know, if he has that mindset in his first season, you don't know how that's going to transfer over to the second season when Kevin Durant comes back. I think they're both mature enough to where they'll be like, hey, we got to put our differences, not even saying they have differences, but we got to, you know, put our egos aside and we got to basically buckle up and, you know, let's win some championships. That's what it's all about, right? So within the next four years, I think they'll at least come out on top once, given that no injuries happen and KD comes back to his level of play, his MVP, his best player in the league level of play that he once was. All right, Hershon, you had another question. Go ahead. All right, my next big question is um, what's up with the the four-move deal going on with uh, Miami Heat? They just uh, secured uh, Butler, right? Yeah, and that's also another thing that everyone was looking forward to this free agency is what was the decision that Jimmy Butler was going to make. There was rumors swirling around that he could go to the Lakers and team up with LeBron. He can go to the Clippers and potentially team up with Kawhi. He can go to New York Knicks and team up with KD. There was there was very there's a lot of different scenarios and then it came out recently like as old as a week ago that he could be involved in a sign and trade with the Houston Rockets. But in the end, he ended up doing a sign and trade with the Miami Heat. The, there was actually four teams involved, like you were saying. Um, but before we even get into the trade, Philadelphia had the option to offer him a five-year max deal. And they did. But he declined, and he instead went to the Miami Heat. And which is really fun. funny story is, in the Chicago Flash magazine, when he was first drafted, they asked him a question. They said, one thing I'd never wear is, and then obviously he'd fill in the blank, and he said, a Miami jersey. So now to see him in a Miami Heat jersey, it's pretty funny. So the four teams that were involved in the trade were the Miami Heat, Philadelphia 76ers, obviously, and then the Trailblazers, and the Los Angeles Clippers. So let's start off with, obviously, the Miami Heat. So the Miami Heat got Jimmy Butler, and they lost Josh Richardson, which I'll go a little bit in-depth with Josh Richardson in a bit, but Jimmy Butler. And... um. So they have the ability to have a lot of cap room after this 2019-2020 season, this next season that's going to come up. So with that cap space, like you have a guy in Jimmy Butler who is able to lure in these big-name free agents. I mean, given that the free agency class isn't going to be that big next season, we'll see how it goes. But you look at like, their young guys that they have, Justice Winslow. Bam Adebayo, and their rookie Tyler Hero, who actually just played today in uh, his first summer league game and had a great game. So, I mean, he he looks like he has a promising future, but something definitely to look forward to. The Miami Heat was kind of a question mark on my head. Why the Miami Heat? I mean, maybe because obviously D-Wade is his friend, really good friend, and I, I wasn't too sure about it, but, you know, hey, he believes he can do something there in Miami, and 
If you can, great. So let's talk about another team or the second team of uh in the trade, uh the Trailblazers. So the Trailblazers actually got Hassan Whiteside from Miami Heat. So the Heat lost Josh Richardson and Hassan Whiteside, two of their top, I would say, three players. And Hassan Whiteside is a center. He was solid for them. Um, and I think going to the Portland Trailblazers is good for him. It will give him a fresh start. And this guy was an, was an all-star, and, and he now gets a chance to play with two all-star caliber guards. I mean, obviously, we know Damian Lillard's all-star. It's all-NBA second team this past year, but uh, CJ McCollum hasn't made an all-NBA team. He hasn't made an all-star, but he's borderline all-star. And I think having those two guys, Hassan Whiteside just banging down low and getting rebounds, protecting the paint, I think he could do that. That Portland Trailblazer team is definitely a team to watch to watch for. And Yusuf Nurkic, when he comes back from injury, I think he's projected to come back October. So about the beginning of the season, first month into the season, maybe he'll miss. But he'll be back by then um, after that gruesome injury that he suffered. And, um, you know, my biggest question is how are they going to coexist? Because they're two both big guys that can't stretch the floor. So it's going to be a lot of clogging in the paint. But the good thing is that they're both their guards are great shooters. But the big problem with the Portland Trailblazers are they lost Seth Curry, they lost Al Farouk Aminu, they lost Ennis Cancer, and they also lost Mo Harkless in this trade. So Seth Curry signed with the Mavericks, Al Farouk Aminu signed with the Magic, and then Mo Harkless was traded within this four-team trade package. But they still have Lillard, McCollum, Whiteside, Nurkic, they have Rodney Hood, they have Kent Bazemore, which they traded earlier for, they have Zach Collins, Nazir Little, who they drafted. So they, they could definitely be a contender. So they're another team to watch out. That's why the West is always stacked. When you don't think, or even when there's a downfall of the Warriors, whatever it may be, like there's always teams that are still stacked and always competing. So let's go to the third team, the Clippers. They got Mo Harkless, and they got Miami's first-round pick in 2023. It's uh protected. And they didn't lose anything for this. They were basically a part of this trade because – they ate up Mo Harkless's uh, salary, which is $11 million, so it kind of takes away from their cap room. But the Clippers had the second most cap room going into free agency. So obviously trying to sign Kawhi and KD, but KD went to Brooklyn. Kawhi still, this is actually, I'm recording this on Monday night. So no news has broke of Kawhi Leonard. If it does, I will definitely keep you guys updated. Maybe you guys will get my live reaction. You don't know. So Clippers basically took up $11 million from Mo Harkless's salary, but they still have the flexibility to sign another max player, a.k.a. Kawhi Leonard. They also re-signed Patrick Beverly to a three-year $40 million deal. Love the move. And then they have the 2021 first-round pick from Miami, which is unprotected. So they got assets. Jerry West is being Jerry West and finessing everyone. And then the last team, obviously the team that Jimmy Butler was on, traded basically Jimmy Butler for... Josh Richardson. Now, I absolutely love this. Yes, Jimmy Butler is an all-star, is a great player. But I didn't see him meshing with that 76ers team at all. So I think bringing in a guy like Richardson, who's a great 3-and-D player, he's a great shooter, great defender, obviously doesn't have the playmaking ability like Butler does, but he's still great. You have Ben Simmons, you have Joel Embiid, like, you have Tobias Harris, so I think having Josh Richardson is a great fit 
by them. And he's on a very friendly contract. He's making around $11 million for the next two years. So he's on a friendly contract for that salary cap. And then the Philadelphia 76ers said, hold up, we're not done yet because we did that sign and trade. Hold up, we're not done. Now we have a lot of money that we didn't spend on Jimmy Butler. Let's go out and splurge. Now let's start off by signing Tobias Harris. Now this was a little pricey. Five years, $180 million deal. Then they went out and said, Horford, why don't you come through? Horford was on the market after Boston. You know, he was linked to the Mavericks. He was linked to even the Clippers. He was linked to uh, Brooklyn. He was he was linked to a lot. It seems like on the market, he was going to be offered a four-year, $100 million deal. So he ended up signing, actually, with the Philadelphia 76ers, which was a dark horse team. Nobody even thought that Philly would try to go after him. Well, at least I didn't. And he signed for $109 million for four years. Now, this is a great pickup for the 76ers, but it also could be a bad pick. I think it's a good pick because Horford was the only center that gave Joel Embiid problems. Joel Embiid is, in my eyes, the best center in the league right now when healthy. That's his biggest issue is staying healthy and staying on the court. So now that... The guy that gave him the biggest problems on defense is now his teammate, you know. Embiid was 35% when guarded by Al Horford in the last three years. So that kind of goes to show how much of a pest Al Horford was to Joel Embiid. Both of these guys can stretch the floor. They can both shoot the three ball. They can both post up. And they're both top-tier defensive bigs. Now, my only problem on defense for them is... In the pick-and-roll situation with the guard, who's going to be the one coming up on the perimeter and guarding the players? My guess is Al Horford, but the guy is 33 years old. And now that is the problem of this contract. It's four years, $109 million deals. It's about $27.5 million a year until he's 37 years old. Now, this deal could be great. It could If they win a championship, this deal is worth it. But... It could bite the Sixers in the butt. Kind of like how we're seeing CP3's contract biting the Rockets in the butt. I mean, obviously, it's not as much as CP3's making, but still, it, it could be bad come come that year three, year four. So, and not to mention that they they need to sign an ex, uh, Ben Simmons to an extension. So, that's gonna they're going to be priced. They're going to be paying the luxury tax a lot, like very high luxury tax. Um, they also re-signed Mike Scott. Uh, and then outside Mike Scott and the guys that I mentioned, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Embiid, Al Horford, uh, and Josh Richardson, they only have two other guys under contract, Xavier Smith and Jonah Bolden. So, and these guys have already hit their way over the cap space. So they're going to need guys like who sign on the veteran minimum. And I think that will be good because given what Philadelphia has done, they definitely have the option to sign guys to veteran minimums that are trying to ring chase. You know, like how Golden State got David West, JaVale McGee, those type of guys. Like, honestly, I, I, this coming season, they're my favorites to win the Eastern Conference. I mean, they lost Jimmy Butler, yes, but they added two great players. And honestly, even last year, they were potentially a shot away from the NBA Finals. If Kawhi Leonard doesn't make that shot, goes into overtime. Who knows? It could be Philadelphia hoisting that Larry O'Brien trophy. All right. Well, thanks for your questions, Hirsch. Let's go into 
our listener number two, Eduardo from Fullerton. What's up, Eduardo? What do you got for me? Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to be on the show. Um, I guess the question slash topic I would lay out for you is, what if the Clippers don't get Kawhi Leonard? What will the team look like, and how will they be able to compete in the West? It's the million-dollar question for every Clipper fan. <laughs> and unfortunately, right now, for Clipper fans, the Lakers are the front runners. Um, Kendrick Perkins came out and said, that you know they the Lakers are the front runners after the meeting with LeBron and if the, right now the Clippers are in a meeting or at dinner with Kawhi Leonard so I guess Doc Rivers and Steve Ballmer are trying to wine and dine him hopefully they can you know get him to the Clippers because I want to be honest I would not want to see him as a Laker you know uh LeBron actually came out in and tweeted he said um his tweet was asking where Shams, Wojnowski, Chris Haynes were, like, you know, referring to Kawhi. Like, why aren't they dropping any of those, you know, things after their meeting? But it was later deleted. So, I think the Clippers have multiple options that they can go with. So, let's talk about both the situations for the Clippers and Lakers, given that they don't get Kawhi or they do get Kawhi. So, they're kind of both in the same ship when it comes to getting Kawhi because Kawhi will eat up their basically their entire cap space and now they got to fill the rest of the roster out with veteran minimums whereas if they don't they'll have about 30 million dollars in cap space to fill out the rest of the roster so let's start with the situation with the Clippers Clippers get Kawhi Leonard pair him up with Lou Williams pair him up with Montrez Harrell pair him up with Shea Gilgis Alexander you know the Clippers have a built team already but the Lakers, on the other hand, have two of the top five players in the league with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So it's very hard to compete against that. But the thing with the Clippers is their pitch can kind of be like, if you take the Clippers to the promised land, we'll build a statue outside of Clippers, the new Clippers arena that Steve Ballmer's building in Inglewood. Build you a statue, hang your jersey up in the rafters, and you will be known as the greatest Clipper ever to play. Now, seeing what they did with Blake Griffin two years ago, hanging his jersey up in the rafter and all that, doing that, and then ending up trading him, you know, it's kind of loses their credibility. But, so given the situation that they do sign Kawhi Leonard, you have guys like Wilson Chandler, you have guys like Danny Green, who Danny Green is linked heavily to Kawhi Leonard. He's kind of seeing where Kawhi Leonard is going first before he makes his decision. There's been many reports about that. So Danny Green would be a great addition to whether it's the Clippers or Lakers, wherever Kawhi Leonard goes. And, you know, you have other guys that, you know, might take the veteran minimum. But here's the problem. A lot of the guys that probably would have taken the veteran minimum before have now been signed to bigger contracts. And that is the problem of playing the waiting game with Kawhi Leonard or for any big-name free agent for that matter. If the Clippers strike out, there's not a lot of people on the market left. You know, I mean, you got DeMarcus Cousins. You have Jamichael Green, who you could bring back. Marcus Morris. Jabari Parker. Just to name a few guys. But those guys aren't going to get you over the hump. 
none of those guys will. Maybe Demarc- maybe Demarcus Cousins will, but I doubt it. We we still don't know what Demarcus can do in a full season. Now, given the Lakers situation, like I said, the pitch. They have two of the top five players. They have Kyle Kuzma. Come to LA. LeBron will probably be like, you know, two years, three years, I'll be gone. I don't know what my body's going to be like. I don't know whether I'll be able to play at the level I'm playing right now. And plus, you have Anthony Davis, arguably the best big in the game. So even if I don't pan out, you have Anthony Davis. And I will adapt my game towards you. And this could also all be bullshit. Like, he's just talking out of his ass and, you know, try to help Kawhi to come to the Lakers. But that's what you call the LeBron effect. Like, you already have guys like J.R. Smith coming, talking about coming to the Los Angeles Lakers to play. So that's a good, that's a great shooter right there you can play with. And the big selling point as well is with these three big stars, load management. We saw how successful load management was for the Raptors and for Kawhi Leonard. He's coming off that quad injury that was just nagging him, that caused a whole drama with San Antonio. So the Raptors were like, all right, let's chill out a bit. Only play maybe 60 games. LeBron, you only play 60 games. AD, you only play like 70 games, 65 games. Come playoff time. We're good to go. Let's steamroll through this Western Conference. Let's steamroll through this entire NBA. And at this point of Kawhi's career, he has nothing else to prove. The guy's taken down two dynasties. The Miami Heat dynasty and the Golden State Warriors dynasty. Practically by himself. So, the guy's won finals MVPs in both conferences. Something that's never been done in NBA history before. So, this guy's already given that his career will pan out even if he has like you know somewhat a mediocre career average 20 points a game this guy's a lock-in for a hall of fame in my opinion so he has nothing else to prove if he wants to win and this is the biggest thing about Kawhi Leonard that I think nobody knows whether his priority is home or winning or leading a team because if it's home and it's winning then the Lakers that's your team but it's do you want to be in the shadow of LeBron James Anthony Davis or do you want to lead your own team, come to the Clippers, and, you know, win a championship, be the greatest Clipper of all time? So with that being said, they both have similar situations, the Lakers and Clippers. It sucked because they held out this long because Kawhi, which rightfully so they should, Kawhi Leonard is top three player in the league. Two, maybe even one right now because we like – LeBron's only getting up there in age. Kevin Durant, we don't know how he'll come back with the Achilles injury, so he could arguably even be the best player in the league right now. I mean, he damn sure put a show on for us in the playoffs. Hey, so I have a hot take also about the Brooklyn Nets. Now that they're being trendy about obviously getting Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I'm probably one of the few people to think that the Brooklyn Nets, once KD comes back and Kyrie obviously has one year under his belt in Brooklyn, I'm one of the people that think that the three years that KD and Irving are together, 
the Brooklyn Nets will not win an NBA championship. Uh, yeah, I, I see what you're talking about. But, you know, I think these guys have a winning mentality. And I think that they want to win. They will coexist. And I think the role players that surround them aren't talked about enough. They have great role players. They honestly might have one of the best benches in the league coming into this season. Or I should say, yeah, coming into this season. All right, but thank you, Eduardo. So let's move on to our next listener, Jonathan from West Covina. What's up? Hey, guys. So my question is, do you feel like the signing of D'Angelo Russell to the Warriors is a quick patch for the loss of Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson? Or do you see him being there for the foreseeable future? So for those of you guys that didn't know, D'Angelo Russell did a signing trade with the Warriors, signed a four-year, $117 million deal. And I think that surprised a good amount of the NBA because everybody thought the dynasty would be over when Kevin Durant left. Klay Thompson went down with the ACL injury. He's not going to be back till February, March of next year. So what are they going to do? It's just going to be Steph Curry. And out of the blue, they signed D'Angelo Russell. Now, D'Angelo Russell was linked with the Lakers as one of the teams. Timberwolves got vi- right before he signed with the Warriors. The Timberwolves were a very strong front runner for D'Angelo Russell, I guess, before they could even finish talking about negotiations or anything. The Warriors just pounced on it. And also, along with D'Angelo Russell, Clay Thompson re-signed five-year, $190 million deal, the biggest contract of this NBA free agency. Now, when it comes to the future of D'Angelo Russell on this Warriors team, it's kind of up in the air, whether he remains a part of the Warriors' future or whether it's a Band-Aid for the Kevin Durant loss and Klay Thompson being out for more than half the season next year. Mind you, D'Angelo Russell is only 23 years old. He can learn a lot from Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Hell, this guy had a career year last year. 21 points per game, 7 assists per game, and he made his first all-star appearance. The guy is a playmaker who can shoot off the dribble, who can create plays for others. He He's a hell of a player. I think him and Steph Curry will definitely be able to coexist. Now, when you bring Klay Thompson into the picture, will they be able to? It's kind of an undersized guard lineup. Defensively is going to be the biggest question, but... You know, he can definitely learn a lot from them. You know, we've come to a fruition where a two-ball-dominant player backcourt is no longer a problem in the league. You look at Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. You look at Harden and Chris Paul, which were probably the two biggest questions in the league. They were able to do it. Obviously, injuries for the Rockets have gotten in the way. And then this past playoffs, you know, they just didn't pan out, but... They were going up against a tough Warriors team. But my biggest question, I think this is a big question for everyone, is Steph and D'Angelo Russell, them being in a backcourt, they have little to no defensive ability against top-tier backcourts, that is. So that's going to be a huge question in a game that is so fast-paced as it is today. D'Angelo Russell is not the best defender. Steph Curry is, I would say average maybe below average but i going up against these top tier backwards i don't think they will 
be able to defend at an efficient level. And also by acquiring D'Angelo Russell, the Warriors had to let go of Iguodala. They traded him to the Memphis Grizzlies and two first-round picks. And there's been talks. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Sean Livingston. So they definitely paid a hefty price for D'Angelo Russell by losing Andre Iguodala and also giving up two first-round picks. But if this pans out and the Warriors, they still have arguably the best coach in the NBA right now in Steve Kerr. If this pans out and they can all coexist, none of this matters. All Everything that they gave up. And if they see that D'Angelo Russell is not a part of their future, I'm sure they can flip him for assets, which wouldn't be bad either. So we'll have to see and how, how it pans out. I have a feeling they'll be able to play great. My only biggest question is their defense. And I think when Clay comes back, also we don't know how Clay is going to come back. I have a feeling he will come back the same level of play he played at because he's a shooter and ACL injuries are harder to come back from for players that are athletic. Not saying Clay Thompson is not athletic, but he doesn't rely on his athleticism like the way he plays. He's a shooter. One of the best shooters in NBA history. And also another Warriors news, they retained Kevon Looney to a very cheap deal. Three-year, $15 million deal. So they got Kevon Looney for a steal. So it's good that they retained him for sure. But thank you, Johnny. All right, going to our last question of the episode. We have Parth from Walnut. What's up, Parth? How are you doing? Yo, Nosebleeds. Thanks for having me. Big fan of the show. I got a question for you guys. Now that the Knicks have struck out with nobody coming their way, who do you think they are going to sign now? Or what do you think their next big move is other than, I don't know, maybe signing Stephen A. Smith at this point? They've got nothing really going for them. What are your thoughts? So early in this episode, how I was talking about the Brooklyn Nets being the laughingstock in the NBA, how the tables have turned. The New York Knicks are an absolute laughingstock of the NBA. There's reports that came out that the Knicks weren't even prepared to offer Kevin Durant a max contract. James Dolan, what the hell are you doing? I, I think it's high time you sell the team. You know, it's not a good look for the Knicks. It's not a good look for New York. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you'll be seeing Knicks revolting outside Madison Square Garden. Like, kind of how the Lakers did in front of Staples Center. So, he didn't offer him a max contract because of his... He didn't know how KD would come back with an Achilles injury. Makes sense, but he's Kevin Durant. He is arguably the best player in the NBA. You sign him to that max deal. You clearly have nothing else going on for you. You sign Kevin Durant not max deal, you get Kyrie Irving with that. You get Kyrie Irving with that, you would have got DeAndre Jordan with that. The Knicks screwed up. The Knicks had these visions of Zion Williamson with the number one pick in the draft. They ended up falling to the third pick in the draft. Got R.J. Barrett, not a bad player. But they had these visions of Zion Williamson, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, with their already existing young core of Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nolikina, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson. So, honestly, all this could have been avoided if... 
they would have just drafted Dennis Smith Jr. with the with the pick instead of Frank Nilakina. So that's their first mess up right there. Actually, that's not their first. But their first mess up goes way back. Um, I'll get into that in a bit. But basically, the New York Knicks, where that leaves them now is they're left with Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Alfred Payton, Wayne Ellington, Taj Gibson, and Reggie Bullock. All those guys that they signed this offseason. And that totals to $167 million in contracts. Total. Great job, New York Knicks. Trying to salvage your losses with nothing. <sighs> At this point, you might as well just keep the cap space tank. Let's get the first first pick in the draft. Obviously, actually, they were supposed to get the first pick in the draft. That didn't end up happening. Just get a top three pick in the draft for the next two years. That's what you guys should have done. Now, all these contracts are two-year contracts, except Julius Randle, who signed a three-year deal, but that third year is a team option. So they could, you know, terminate his contract, making a two-year contract. The reason they did this was their plans are now focused on the 2021 free agency class, which uh, includes a really good player. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but he goes by the name of Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know, he was this past season's MVP. The Knicks in New York, outside of Brooklyn, is no longer the mecca of basketball anymore. They have, like you said, Parth, struck out countless times in the past 20 years. Let's take it back. Started when they traded Patrick Ewing to the Supersonics after their 1999 NBA Finals appearance, where they lost to the San Antonio Spurs 4-1. to So they decided, they were like, all right, let's press the rebuild button. So Stefan Marbury came to town, this, this point guard, Hooper. And I'm, I, I, I messed with I messed with Stefan Marbury. I actually had a pair of Starberries for myself when I was in middle school. I thought I was a shit when I'd rock those. <laughs> then they drafted Eddie Curry, first overall. Thought they'd play bully ball. Bang down low. That didn't work out. Then Carmelo Anthony and Amari came to New York. Then they brought in Chauncey Billups and Tyson Chandler with them. You know, okay. Now you, now you guys are starting to cook something up. But wait, let's bring Phil Jackson in. He's the savior. He's going to get us to that promise line. He's going to be helping us hoist that Larry O'Brien trophy. They got to the second round. That's about it. Then they got a unicorn. Goes by the name of Christoph Porzingis. Traded him to clear up cap space for KD and Kyrie. So how that turned out. And now they play the waiting game for Giannis in 2021. The Knicks are the laughing stock of the NBA. So for the next two years, you'll hear countless of rants from Stephen A. Smith. But you know what? I feel bad for the Knicks. I know how their pain is. You know, kind of being a, a Clippers fan. You know, I stand up for my Clippers so much. I'm a diehard Clippers fan. And we're constantly just failing. We've never been to the conference finals in our existence. We could have. We were up 3-1 against the Rockets. And we choked it. So, 
not only that, and then the Knicks now have the Brooklyn Nets that are going to be haunting them for the next four years at least. Hell, maybe you start losing fans. They start bandwagoning to Brooklyn. That's not going to be a good look for y'all, but I think the New York Knicks fan base runs deep, so it, it, it definitely could. I mean, here in L.A., dominant team is the Lakers. And, you know, when they have guys like Kobe, they have guys like LeBron. Now they have Anthony Davis. And I swear to God, if they get Kawhi Leonard, like, the Clippers aren't going to be anybody. And not to mention that they have 16 championships that just haunt the Clippers. The Clippers, I can't even get to the third round of the NBA playoffs. So, I mean, I, I have faith in Jerry West and, and you know, Doc Rivers, Lawrence Frank. I have, I have faith in all them, but... I feel your pain, New York Knicks. I feel it. But I think James Dolan got to sell the team. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this special edition of the Nosebleeds NBA Free Agent Frenzy Edition. Thank you guys for all tuning in. Thank you for the listeners sending in your questions. Really appreciate it. You know, make sure you're following us on social media, Instagram, the Nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. We also are on Twitter, the underscore Nosebleeds. And then we're also on Facebook, too. So check us out on all there. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. If you have Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating. Really appreciate us. Write us a review. Really helpful. And that's going to do it for this episode. Hope you guys have a great week. Deuces.